0: so welcome to the program notes podcast i have with me here the one and only chief editor of (laughs) tux publishing his name is cody meyer he is um we actually have a little shared history we both went to north texas university i guess university of north texas we were both saxophonists and studied with the same professor uh and tas you know we were all conglomerate. and then composing wise we were all together um and so we we go way back and it's exciting cody to finally have you on and for you to show your face to all those tux composers who have corresponded with you and you have said nope not good enough you need to edit this crap (laughs) and they have humbly said yes okay or actually you
1: probably do that work mostly um Um you know it's it's uh, it's a collaborative effort i don't i don't do a whole lot of uh, telling people what they should and shouldn't do with like, <laughs> i mostly just make it look pretty so.
0: that's good yeah 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 um,
1: it is yeah. it is good to finally be on the program uh you know i'm i was there when we when we kind of burst the idea there so it's it's nice to kind of finally see what it's like on this side of it and maybe yeah. you know get my face on it and kind of involve myself with it a little bit more um you know i'm sure it's very exciting to see me finally in <laughs> actual human form and not via email on my you know crappy outdated headshots um so yeah i'm i'm cody i was born in michigan uh in rural michigan about an hour south of the mackinac bridge four hours north of detroit kind of depending on what you know um and i grew up as a product of my dad's upbringing my dad was uh, really into like um a lot of like hair metal and hard rock you know that kind of thing zz top crew metallica you know and and i grew up around a lot of that like really high energy like thrash you know music a lot of a lot of that kind of stuff and so i remember you know i spent a lot of my childhood like sneaking his cds and and like i didn't want him to hear me because i thought he would disapprove if i was listening to the music that he would put on the radio anyway Um, But I would still like, you know, put it in my CD player that I had in my room and kind of turn it down for like the bad words and stuff. And, you know, there, you know, I just loved it. And that's that was kind of like the first coherent, like musical memory that I had, you know, and I kind of carried that energy through. My parents told me I was always really rhythmic and I was always really good at rhythm and matching pitch and all that. And so, like, you know, when rhythm games started becoming a thing, you know, 2007 Guitar Hero 3. Obviously, I got like shamefully, ridiculously good at it and kept playing those all the way through, you know, until I picked up a real instrument percussion uh, started in 2008 with uh, with my my band director in Michigan. And then, uh, you know, wanted to hit stuff, wanted to bang on the drums and then switched to saxophone when I moved to Virginia. Didn't play the drums again until college. I got a drum set for Christmas somewhere in there but I don't I, I never really got to play it cuz that thing was way too loud and nobody yeah, wanted to hear it.
0: That's awesome. Yeah, so um yeah, what better way to talk about your saxophonist um by listening to uh, your piece called Scarlet. screen and I'll
1: Ooh. put this. Yeah. This piece. This piece is fun. This piece is a uh So when I got to university, um we we all did our kind of like first year also. It's a really long like intro screen for that.
0: Is there a score? I don't think you there's know what? a score. It's not
1: there's no score on this one. I believe there's a, a, a perusal score on the website there. I'll send you a link real quick. Okay, sure. No, there's not. Well, oh, well. But this piece, um, so when I got to university, I, I went through that first year of, uh, you know, North Texas University, or I guess, wow, I did it too. I, I, infectious. I, I,
0: I, I put it on you.
1: <laughs> university of North Texas uh, composition education, where they don't let you uh, really write, by write on computer. Um, surprisingly helpful um I wrote everything by hand and uh eventually this is my sophomore year project where I was allowed to write on the computer so I did and I got crazy with it um and the notation on this piece kind of reflects it a little bit I can actually I'll send it to you if you want to see it I can put some clips on it yeah um and you know I I got really into music notation when I was handwriting all my stuff because I you know I would I was that guy that would like sit there with a ruler all night the whole night writing out my projects and making parts and it was this whole miserable experience you know i remember i had freshman year i i pulled my first all-nighter doing my freshman my first semester freshman final piece um (laughs) this just truly horrendous piece called scenes from the Titanomachy, on which i of course i had to play piano (laughs)
0: <laughs> i mean that's joe klein's intro to composition class for to a t
1: yeah just handwrite all your stuff um,
0: pencil and in hand ruler on the paper measuring everything out yeah i mean it teaches you a thing too about engraving that finale can never do
1: yeah i mean that's the thing is like i got really into notation and i started like doing a little bit of computer mu- of not computer music of computer notation uh i, I was a finale guy still am um life um and i just found myself really really attached to the idea of making my scores look really nice you know i sent along to dr klein like a, a spring quartet for a reading and he said to me he emailed me back i i do everything via email because i can't handle rejection um and he emailed me back and he said this is what you need to do to your notation and it was this list like that long of just like your page layout's bad here you know your, your spacing's bad here you've got a collision here this should be aligned with this and i'm like so i i started like really learning a lot about just notation in general and and really got into it so when i started studying with mike smith my sophomore year um we got working on this piece right and and this piece i mean super super fun piece called scarlet um i wrote it for myself to play and it ended up actually being too hard for me to play so i had somebody else play it um and it was basically just me like messing around in finale seeing how far I could push the notation yeah. just to like really, you know, really work with it. And, you know, looking back on it now, it's not, it's not intricate. It's if I were to, if you told me to engrave this in finale right now, I'd be like, I can give you two hours. Right. Yeah. Um, But it was just this like bold at the time. It was bold for me. Absolutely. And that really helped me learn like a lot of the intricacies of the program, a lot of the like, graphic elements of the program and like really just kind of getting into like notation like advanced notation because that's something that you know you can learn regular old you know i can engrave for a band anywhere but when you start getting into like you know temporal notation where you go by seconds and Mm -hmm. and, and lines showing duration and feather beaming and a lot of that you know finding like the right balance getting everything to, to beam properly and to just work properly in the program it's a whole different story. Yeah. It's it's complex. But it's fun. It's I remember really
0: fun. I remember I was we we went together to Florida State um when we were both at UNT and this you know we both had pieces that were being performed and um I remember hearing this piece for the first time and I think I I I we were in proximity but like we I didn't really know you that well um then and I think the Florida State like introduced us and like we became colleagues and acquaintances and friends thereafter. Is that right? Like, yeah, Yeah, we we never corresponded and I just remember, Oh yeah, he's a sophomore at UNT and his piece got, got chosen. That's awesome. And I was like a PhD student. So I was, a
1: so it was kind of funny. Um, I was a junior at the time actually. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Forgive me. No, you're good. You're good. Um, because I, I, I distinctly remember because, uh, my sophomore year i spent actually not as a music major um really yeah you can argue whether or not i regret the decision I, <laughs> I, I tried computer science for a time my brother was always good with computers and i got a lot of that from him but i wasn't that good with computers right. i didn't i didn't like program mm-hmm. i'm just good at computers yeah but i don't program
0: yeah. right right i
1: tried programming and it didn't work out i was horrible at it i i was like I was not good at it I, I spent a lot of days like just, just suffering through you know computer science homework UNT's computer logic science and
0: yeah, yeah yeah
1: notoriously difficult and eventually i was like i should go back and i did go back i went back to being a music composition major junior year <laughs> at which point um i realized that i didn't have any of my old friends and i didn't know any of the people there And that never really truly fixed until uh, you know before i graduated but it did mean that like you know out of relative obscurity came like going to florida and meeting all these these like doctorate students that i didn't even know before like Mm -hmm. you and garrison and um miguel i think we went with Yeah,
0: yeah 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 and um i mean that was such a cool experience to get to hear your music because like unt undergrads are just like insane like you amongst them and like every just imagine them they're just like they're composing at a level at the same as some graduate programs in the world um and you know hearing your piece was just like and i'm a saxophonist too so i i get it in a different level but even just as a composer like it was just so incredible to hear your um your ideas your exploration they were you know like it was definitely like um, very saxophony if I can say that like it, you can hear how well it lied on the fingers and how fun it was for the performer to play it and yeah. I could also hear like your technique as a composer just like exploring these different ideas but they were so tasteful you know like I feel like with extended techniques and just like different you know things that stick out sometimes they're just like i learned this new thing and i want to incorporate my piece just for like wow factor but like i really liked that it did both it was very wow factor but yeah. like it was appropriately placed that like it was just very sophisticated and mature beyond it beyond your years you know it was something that like some to you know me and myself as a do- doctoral composer like i was like wow i wish i could write something like that like With that, those ideas and that technique, and like you know, it's it. It was just really, yeah. I just want to celebrate you in that way. Like it was, it was really, it was really good. So
1: yeah, and it's one of those things where like, first off, appreciate the praise because I I don't have very high praises for my own music. Um, we can talk imposter syndrome all day. Oh yeah. But I mean, it definitely was like this bold statement that I I felt like I needed to make. You know, opening a piece on an altissimo G, which is surprisingly one of the most notoriously difficult altissimo notes on the saxophone and then also ending it on an altissimo g but this time piano instead of fortissimo yeah you know that i felt like was was me just kind of making that like bold statement and just really kind of digging into the 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 idea an idea that i would carry with me forever yeah like the idea of just augmented scales, not like the Mm -hmm. augmented scale, but like scales that I augment and keep using in that way. Yeah, And just incorporating that with different techniques and trying to make an an actual coherent piece of music out of it. One of the things that I always struggled with was making coherent ideas and developed ideas longer than minutes maybe mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i think that's something that a lot of younger composers you know kind of struggle with is like how do i take an idea how do i take one motif yeah. and make like a six minute piece out of it and i've successfully done that like many times now i i made a 10 minute piece out of you know a violin basically mm-hmm. i have um one of these little notebooks and i've got like three motifs motivic ideas in it and i made a 10 minute piece out of that but it's like at the time i was like This is a six minute piece and I don't know what to do with it. Yeah, I I don't know where I'm going
0: as dr Broberg says squeeze the lemon dry. Oh my god. Yeah And (laughs) I mean like it's just insane to me that like You know with composing You know, there's so many ways I mean, I guess you could break it down into like maybe like five Whatever, I don't know two i'm just being arbitrary at this point but like you know when I think of composing like especially when you're so young You feel, you put this pressure on yourself That's so unnecessary It's like everything I have to do is novel Everything I have to do has to be a discovery And a contribution, you know, to the To the space, at least I, I, maybe I put that On myself, you know, I
2: think It's,
1: it's kind of funny, I saw a. It was like What, what, what's that curve called I took calculus like Literally nine years ago Like an exponential,
0: just exponential Parabola, one of
1: these, it was, it was like Yeah, it was a parabola where like yeah. when I got into college and I saw a lot of like freshman composers, everybody's trying to make a statement. Yeah. And I, I don't know, I don't, I don't, I'm okay with making a statement. I I will write yeah. music that makes a statement and has meaning. And then as I graduated and started kind of working more with the composers via TUX here, yeah. Um, I started to see that not everybody felt that need to make a statement. A lot of yeah. people
2: yeah. and
1: a lot of big names don't feel the need to make a big bold statement. Mm-hmm. And then as I kind of got more into it, the deeper I get, the more I realize like a lot of the the very popular names, a lot of the very big names, especially in the band world, are big because they make big statements. Mm-hmm. And then there are the people, the biggest people, the the most famous people, the names that we all know, who do a little bit about. You know, you've got yeah. your Randall Standridge, who writes Santa the Barbarian, great piece, not trying to make a you know a statement. And then he goes and writes Unbroken. Another great mm-hmm. piece, making mm-hmm. a statement. Yeah, it it just works so well, and it's kind of this, kind of this idea of like, when you're young, you feel like everything must make, like you must talk about the world. You have to tell people how it is. You have to like yeah. go and say, this is what's happening in the world, and I need to make sure that you know about it. But the music isn't good enough to really back it up a lot. Of right. The time. Oh yeah. And so. I, I was guilty of that too. Let me, let me be very clear. Humble, I would be humble. Very guilty of that. <laughs> you know, That's, and I was that. thinking
0: that like the, the, yeah, like the one fork in the road is like, everything has to be like a discovery and like new and fresh and a big statement. And then like another fork in the road for composing. And I guess like in general for like art and cre- being creative and making is like trying to do your own signature style, your own signature, you know, not i guess like name brand in a sense where you're recognizable in terms of your sound and i guess that's kind of yeah. making a new thing you could pair that with being new well, but i think there's a difference i think that like you can make something very new but it doesn't have your stamp you know and have you know putting your stamp on the world and saying i jake was here you know
2: Cody
1: you know, was here i'm like chomping at the bit to like get going because i have we we've had talks and talks and talks about this in our in our meetings for tux yeah um when I'm, when I'm, you know, reviewing music from composers, I I get a lot of music on my desk, you know, every single year, I probably get three or 400 pieces to listen to. And I listen to every single one of them. I I sit down with the score and I listen and I listen with the score. Sometimes I'll read the score. Sometimes I won't, um, kind of depending on like the vibe of the piece. Um, I listen to every single one and I can tell, I can always tell who's trying to, to say who's trying to step out of their zone to say something and who is saying something by staying within their realm. Mm, Like who is being truly genuine with themselves and their music to the extent that you don't need to make a statement with it because you're making the statement just by exhibiting your own characteristics. Right. Right. And it's this level of like honesty and like, what's the word? Genuinity. I, I don't yeah, know the word.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, no, I, no, yeah, you're, you're, <laughs> you're I you can what you're
1: hear saying. it, and the the people that make the biggest, boldest statements, I find, are often the people that are just writing from the heart. Yeah, just the people yeah. that are writing, how they feel, and mm-hmm. and putting the sounds on the page that they want to put on the page, rather than trying to make a musical or societal statement. Right. I think, right. I think there's a lot of merit, in, kind of both, you know take if you look at me if you look at my music i think i kind of try to toe the line a little bit i love i love talking about myself (laughs) my wife will tell you that um all my high school friends will tell you that if i had any my college friends would probably tell you that um but i don't you know i don't want to always talk about myself ironically given the fact i'm talking about myself but I, I kind of love the idea of like you can toe the line a little bit like yeah. you can be you but you can kind of push yourself into it into a different world right I mean if you look at if you look at um, my piece I have a piece called Redshift right mm-hmm. it's for um, string quartet um, and I wrote it in 2018 it was completely handwritten um, during my time spent in the mountains of Tennessee with my grandparents kind of over that like 2018 Christmas um, and. This piece was, was a piece that I, I had um, spent, you know, hours and hours and hours and hours just planning, you know. The piece is, I could probably write a seven or eight page paper on just like the theory of the first, mo- of the first section, but essentially it is a series of two 12-tone rows and a six-tone row. And within each of those, they not they don't contain intervals from like zero to twelve or zero to eleven, like a like a regular you know row would. They contain integers that are multiples of each other, and then one of them only contains prime numbers. It's this whole deal where basically it kind of rotates around each of these ones and uses that as the base for the rhythm of the piece.
0: Nice, yeah.
1: Again. Very hard to explain. You can't hear it in the piece. Right. There are people yeah. that probably could. Mr. Bryant Bernio comes to mind. Maybe he could probably he, he could probably hear it because I hear that he can do that kind of thing. But yeah. like I, you know, I wrote the piece and I really can't hear it. Yeah. But what yeah. I can hear is the idea of it, the expansion and the contraction that kind of happens as the piece goes. Yeah. This style where I like took this piece and just, just planned it for hours and hours and hours and and really wrote pages of literally just tone rows i guess not tone rows but essentially tone rows with more numbers yeah i'd never done that before <clears throat> i was taking i kind of took like my my rhythmic sense mm-hmm. and just threw it at the wall of this like idea through you know I, I i used this idea as like a glue to stick my ideas to the wall and just like took whatever stuck yeah, and it was great. Yeah. It was this awesome piece that I loved so much. Um, and this piece and and Scarlet can can both be heard. Um, Scarlet's published under TUX. Uh, it's it's got it's recording by Gela Morales at FSU. Uh, it is on the TUX YouTube page and web page, and then uh, Redshift is my my personal SoundCloud, and it's on yeah it's on a couple of places there. But <clears throat> regardless, I digress. It was this just. It was such a great experience for me, just to like be able to explore that insane world. What yeah. I it, it was a piece that I thought was gonna sound like super complex, hyper complex. I thought it was gonna sound like like you know new complexity, and it didn't. It I I was surprised when I heard yeah. it at first. I was like, this is not what I expected this to sound like at all. It sounds like just a cool piece. It sounds like I'm writing a cool piece. Yeah, yeah. You know? And you listen to it and you, you can't hear a lot of that, like, really complex stuff. Yeah. You get a lot of, like, incidental, I mean, you get a lot of incidental harmony. You get mm. triads. You get, yeah. like, major seven chords all over the place. Yeah. And the amazing thing that happened with that was after that, because of how much incidental harmony I got out of that piece, I started using it just in my writing. Yeah. Just because I it was there. And I was like, that sound is something that is now part of my style. It's it, awesome. it is yeah. it has become part of my identity because I just threw it at the wall and saw it stuck.
0: Wow. Yeah. And so I, mean, I write
1: yeah. the gen I, I do the genuine the genuinity, I'm gonna use that term. Right. <laughs> by just taking those old ideas that I, yeah. you know, kind of improvised or threw at the wall.
0: That is so cool because it's just like, and then, you know, it kind of speaks to like a third hybrid of what we've just discussed. Like being a composer, you're like feeling like you need to discover new things. And like as a theorist, you know, like new harmonies or new like conventions or whatever. And then the second road we discussed, you know signature and just like style and you know sticking to who you are and then a third is like a combination of those two things where like yeah. by it's personal discovery and like in music you have a personal discovery of like what you love what you like what you like to hear you know what you like to write and what you like to share with others so being a composer is just such a i mean we probably know it but it goes without saying that like being a composer is just such a all encompassing experience where like i feel like you generally should enjoy listening to your own music and yeah. i feel like we get a little bit weird about it because it's it's so narcissistic and so like yeah i, don't we care. I put on redshift yeah. just to <laughs> do it in my car I <laughs> work. yeah i mean and then you know on some pieces piece. some pieces have their time and place and they need to be listened to sparingly but like yeah. i think that's the beautiful thing about what we do it's like we love it and and I think a personal, and if I can get personal about myself, it's like, I think I've been in such an isolated scenario. COVID goes without speaking. Like that's been an isolating experience, but like being outside of the institutions and school. um, And it only has really been recently that I reached out to Jarrett and you and T U X to like, kind of get a little bit more tied in. And, and, but like before then I thought I could compose on my own and compose for my own gratification. But I'm finding that I need the community <clears throat> aspect of it and the people aspect to, sh- you know, who do I share this? I need yeah. to share this with I, someone. I can't just do this for my own edification.
1: I found, and I, I was in a very similar situation. I graduated yeah. um, fall of 2019 into the pandemic. Right. And, yeah. And I, I kind of, you know, if you look at my catalog of works, I know nobody here can actually see like the dates that all of my work completed. I can cause I keep it in a folder. A lot of pieces got finished in those first couple of months and then nothing until August or September of that year. Because Preach, I, I had like seven projects that I wanted to finish. I was like, I really want to do this, but my recital's coming up, or yeah. I have finals, yeah. or I have juries and I just don't have time. And then I got to write the fun projects that my, you know, professor probably wouldn't have let me write because they were don't all. And Yeah, I know. And <laughs> um nah. She was she was good. She would have let me write whatever I wanted. But I just had all these pieces that I'm like, I really want to finish this piece. And so I went and finished all those pieces. And then February comes around and I'm like, great. Now what? Like I I I, I kind of hit that same impasse where I'm like, I just don't know what to do anymore. Yeah. I'm like, I, I'm right, I'm not writing for
2: mm-hmm. me.
0: Yeah. I mean, yeah.
1: So what do I do? <laughs> and that's when I kind of hit a little bit of. You know, I think a lot of composers kind of hit a rut after college, especially, you know, this was, you know, COVID was ramping up at the point and, and I didn't really have a lot of college friends. So I kind of hit like that little, little bit of, uh, I'm just going to kind of write something and see what sticks. And that's what I ended up with, with this big old concert band work, 17 minutes called cryptozoology and it hasn't gone anywhere because I just didn't have anybody to share it with. Yeah. And it still hasn't gotten performed, and there's still no hope of a performance, and I'm okay with that because I yeah. I had I ended up having to write the piece for me, and mm-hmm. yeah, that's that's really what it came down to was just I wrote a piece for me, but I didn't really get anything out of
0: it. Yeah, yeah.
1: So what Nothing. really kept me grounded mm-hmm. kind of during that time was the editing and everything. Mm-hmm. You know, early 2020, mid 2020, that was when that was when TUX really picked up. I mean, yeah. we got you can, you can feel, we could feel the difference. Jarrett is just Jarrett and I at the time, like late 2019, you know, we went to our first Midwest as a, as a team. Yeah. And we, we got to like really talk a lot about our vision and our goals. And then we went to um, TMEA early 2020 and we both kind of continued that. And then we did our call for scores. I think our first like really big major call for scores and it, it you could feel it. It was different. We had, yeah. you know, 200 submissions and and we took a whole lot of really really good music and i was just not a talented enough editor to do these these amazing pieces justice i felt like at the time but once that catalog was done i mean we we got through it and at the end of that year we started doing like classics yeah and you know we had a great composer daniel buchan he came to us with like five different pieces in three versions each i mean wow pieces of music essentially and he's like Put these out there. Put these out in the world. Yeah, yeah. And so I'm working the whole time. I'm writing this big concert band piece that has no gratification, is going nowhere, no performances, no anything that nobody knows yeah. about and nobody wants to hear. I'm also editing all this amazing music that the moment we get it, it starts selling yeah. and people start playing it. And it, it's it's music by underrepresented composers. It's pieces I'd never heard before. And yeah. it's really exciting that like yeah. my work is going onto people's stands. It's not my my music. Right. But it's my work. And that was gratifying. And that really helped me kind of get through that and kind of, you know, accept the idea of not every piece of music needs to have a collaborator. Not everything needs to have a premiere or a performance lined up. Absolutely. And, you know, we can talk all day about like just the gratification of like getting music onto stands. But at the end of the day you know that's that that is really what it is it's, it's not about me it's, it's about yeah the music the stands. it's about the people playing the music so absolutely I, I think i know uh we just hit that little remaining meeting time button there again <clears throat> i think this is a great kind of opportunity to talk about just like editing for yeah absolutely and, go ahead and kind yeah. of like what what i what i do when i when i edit why i edit who i edit for yeah and really kind of my vision you know for, for notation why why it's so important Yeah. you know people people that have seen that i send the scores to and i'm talking about our composers um when they get our scores you know a lot of people say good to go yeah <clears throat> but i get a lot of people that say you know this looks really nice you know I, I don't really see any any mistakes i don't see a lot of a lot of this kind of thing and one of the things that i always try to do when i'm editing a score for anybody and i mean this could be for tux i i've done freelance work in the past it's like i want to take the music as it is scratch i want to take the music as it is and i really just want to make the most clear concise consistent version of it yeah i i want to make sure that the music at least for TUX, if it it's a style, we have a style guide and I have to fit everything to that mm-hmm. style guide. Like yeah. I don't break out of that style guide because I made that style guide. Yeah. Years ago, and I constantly, it's a
0: work them. of art in and of itself.
1: <clears throat> I mean, it's, you know, it's seven pages right now. We're looking at it, updating it to about 20 pages. this Nice. Summer. Yeah. But I want everything to be consistent. <clears throat> yeah. So I want all my scores to look the same. I want them to look good. I want them to be clear. Consistency is a big part of what I do. It's, yeah. it's kind of the driving force. You don't give a piece of music to a sixth grader that has the same music written out three different ways. If you mm-hmm. have your classic rhythm, you know, bump, 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 that can be interpreted so many different ways depending on how you notate it. If you do dotted quarter, dotted quarter, quarter, versus dotted quarter, eighth tied to a quarter, quarter, which I had some visual aids here that would help. You know, that's... <clears throat> That's different. And the first one is actually um, completely incorrect. And if you do both of those, if you alternate, guess what? That sixth grader now has to do. They have to learn two rhythms. Yeah, it's the same rhythm, but they have to learn two notations for the rhythm. And they're going to sit there and they're going to raise their hand and they're going to say, Mr. Steve, why is this notated two different ways? And they're going to stop rehearsal for twenty seconds explaining that. And this goes all the way up. I mean, you you get you can get you know professional level ensembles where if you don't notate something the same way, there might be a different interpretation of it. So a lot of what I do, so much of what I do, is just consistency. And I want clarity too. I want I want everything. That's be... the.
0: That, yeah, yeah, and it, that's super interesting to me because I'm trying to like think of an analog. Um, in some other field that like we, that can relate to that, that can, that we can compare to, to get, give an idea, especially to non music folks that, you know, what does it mean to be an editor and have sheet music in front of people to that perform it like music, you know, editing, um, notation, engraving, whatever you want to call it. It's like, if you can say like, it's an instruction sheet. But it's not really because what the goal putting of it together is
1: a Lego set where they like where they constantly like rotated the, the set as you were as they went through the instructions. Yeah, like and... they do an instruction and then they rotate it 90 degrees like it's the same Lego set and... with the same pieces on it but you can never figure out where things go because Absolutely. it's slightly different each time. That
0: that comparison doesn't <laughs> feel like it does it justice either because it's like, it's not as serious as a performer. Cause it's, you know, I feel like performing and doing respect and due diligence to the piece is a lot more serious and, and important. Maybe not important, but a lot more to me, at least, I'll just say this from my perspective and I think some people, will, you know, will pick up what I'm trying to say. It's like, you know, Lego set instructions are important. Don't get me wrong. Like, you know, you're a company. You like you should get it right. You put money into this, whatever. But with getting it right for performers is like, I want to say it's almost like life or death. Like manual for an airline pilot or a doctor. You only get one. Chance but it's not. On that's stage. too right. And like it's like performing surgery you know like cuz you're performing and you want to get it right but that's too serious you know the lego example isn't serious enough the surgery is too serious so it like is in the middle where it's like this weird thing cuz it's not life or death cuz at the end of the day it's for indulgence and for a variety of reasons that are not life or death but well, it's important having, uh, it's really important
1: done- having put together Lego sets and also being a dental assistant and having assisted with some, um, you know, dental surgeries, you know, they are con- a lot of the things that I do are considered surgeries. I will say you've kind of hit it on the head. It's not as serious as like a surgery there, but it kind of exists in that same realm where if, like, if you're doing something a different way, each time, somebody is going to screw up. It It will happen. It's inevitable. You know, that's, really what i want is just i want clarity you know i want consistency yeah. i want at the end of the day the piece the performers of the piece should not ever be inhibited by the notes on the page
2: mm-hmm. yeah
1: it's like you, you know we're, we're such a small team i i can't yeah. take all this amazing music but i want to do my best for it yeah so every it. piece yeah. gets that mm-hmm. you know gets that really it, it gets Absolutely. the star treatment, you know, it gets yeah. that full editing. Everything is made consistent with our style guidelines. Everything is completely edited and proofread at least twice in yeah. the score and in the part stage. You know, everything is sent to the composers for approval, at least to the best of my ability. You know, things happen. I'm not yeah. I'm not perfect and can't things, guarantee it. Sometimes anything. take longer than yeah. than you know I, I want. Um but at the end of the day it's like it's it's all for you know educators it's all for students it's all yeah. for performers it's 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 for like it's for the amazing people that play all this amazing music because like it it's not about me you yeah. know it's a yeah. it's a it's about putting it's about the music on the stands and it's about the people playing the music off the stands i think that's kind of what has gotten me through that like post-graduation composition slump i guess yeah
0: absolutely very good well well Thank you, Cody, for your time. And um, I'm I'm trying to I'm I'm kind of promising everyone that I interview. We're going to do this once more again, and we'll we'll <laughs> we'll take a you know we've kind of taken a snapshot of where you're at now, and then hopefully when we come back and talk again, you're in a yeah. different place that's you know just as beautiful if not even more so, and you can share what you're working on then. And yeah, I want to
1: I definitely want to do this again. Um, yeah you know it's it's been it's been really good just to be on it and kind of talk a little bit i feel like i couldn't go in i can't we need to we need to talk more so i can go we more need to do nap. even
0: longer yeah but so i
1: can ramble ramble even more
0: and and maybe we will maybe we'll do a three hour session instead of a <laughs> 30 minute one. Three zero. so anyway well I, thank you i think you, we Cody, should plan
1: yeah. for like you know no. uh <laughs> uh uh what is it program notes after dark and two and a half just like asmr amazing but yeah it's been it's been good i'm glad to be on it and we really need to do this again
0: definitely all right bye cody thank you again thank you thank you for listening to the whole episode if you liked what you heard uh, there will be links in the description to all the pieces that the composers discussed and for further information about tux people's music we will leave a link to the website and the publishing house
2: there as well until next time thank you for listening